Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on moviehousememories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. Criterion Critics are back with a review of one of the films from our ever-expanding libraries. I'm Patrick. And I'm Chris. And I'm Lori. And this month we're reviewing 1936 My Man Godfrey, a film we reviewed a few months ago on the Golden Age of the Silver Screen podcast here on the MHN Podcast Network, number 114 on the Criterion release schedule. But before we get into our review of that Criterion disc, let's review some of the films that were released on Criterion back in August and September of 2022. Back on August 16th, 2009's Daddy Longlegs was released. This dramedy tells the story of a father juggling his kids with the rest of his responsibilities, who is ultimately faced with the choice of being their father or being their friend. Also on August 16th, was to, saw the release of 2007's Frownland. This dramedy from writer-director Ronald Bronstein tells the story of a door-to-door coupon salesman who eats popcorn and eggs off the folded-out door of his kitchen oven. Sounds riveting. <laughs> Starting on August 23rd, we saw the release of 1938's Hotel du Nord. I'm probably mispronouncing that. This romantic drama takes place at the Parisian Hotel du Nord on the Canal St. Martin. A nearly fatal gunshot separates a dejected young couple, but amid a sad but beautiful panorama of lively characters, love has the final say. Also on August 23rd, saw the release of 1972's Buck and the Preacher. Uh, This film directed by the film star Sidney Poitier as a wagon master and a con man preacher played by Harry Belafonte helped freed slaves pursued by cheap labor labor agents get out of the West. Do they have a uh, Deo musical number in that one? No, they do not. Uh, On August 30th, saw the release of 2021's Faya Daya. This award-winning documentary tells the story of a spiritual journey into the highlands of Harar, immersed in the rituals of Kat, a leaf Sufi Muslims chewed for centuries for religious meditations and Ethiopia's most lucrative cash crop today. I don't even know if I said that correctly, but uh, that was on... Uh, Crop is the correct pronunciation. Okay. All right. On September 6th, saw a the re-release of 1981's Blowout, this time in 4K. Writer-director Brian De Palma's crime mystery tells the story of a movie sound recordist who accidentally records the evidence that proves that a car accident was actually murder and consequently finds himself in danger. Previously released on Blu-ray, now being released on 4K for the first time. Uh, on September 13th, saw the release of 2004's Takeout. Uh, this drama tells the story of an illegal Chinese immigrant who falls behind on payments on an enormous smuggling debt. The lead character, Ming Ding, has only until the end of the day to come up with the money. On September 20th, saw the release of 1940's Le Corbu. 
This crime mystery tells the story of a French village doctor who becomes the target of poison pen letters sent to the village leaders, accusing him of affairs and practicing abortion. Previously released on DVD before being released on on DVD Criterion, being released on Blu-ray for the first time. On September 20th, saw the release of 1994's Exotica. Uh, this drama from writer-director Adam Egoen tells the story of a man plagued by neuroses who frequents the club Exotica in an attempt to find solace. But even there, his past is never far away. On September 27th, saw the release of Martin Scorsese's World Cinema Project No. 4, a pack of films that includes Samba Zenga from 1972, Prisoneros de la Tierra from 1939, Chess of the Wind from 1976, Muna Mota from 1975, Two Girls on the Street from 1939, and Kalpana from 1948. And finally, on September 27th, saw the release of 2019's Sound of Metal uh, in a 4K version. This Academy Award-winning drama stars Oscar nominee Oscar nominee Riz Ahmed as a heavy metal drummer whose life is turned upside down when he begins to lose his hearing. All right. So those were the releases in August and September of last year. Um, so I'll start with Lori. Lori, of these uh, probably 10 or 12 releases here, what's the first one that catches your interest to something that you're going to want to pick up? The Sound of Metal. Oh, that was a good film. That was a great film. That was an absolute best film yeah. of 2019, in my opinion. And Blowout because of John Travolta. Okay. And Brian De Palma, who's during his heyday. Chris, what's, yeah. your, what's your pick here? You know, before I do my pick, I think this is the first Criterion Critics that I've been on where Criterion has been having 4K, has released 4K versions. And uh, I'm very happy about that. When did they start? 2021, would you say, Patrick? It was tail end. I want to say the tail end of 20, I think November of 2021, because uh, Simpson Kane, mm-hmm. I think, and that was when it was released. Okay. I mean, they're, they're a few dollars more, but uh, I'm, I'm glad that they've moved on to 4K instead of just the, the uh, Blu-ray transfers. Uh, it, it's appreciated, I'm sure, for a lot of uh, cinephiles. But for me, for my picks, there there's two. Uh, Le Corbu, 1943, uh, The Raven. I saw it once and remembered enjoying it. And I think that that's something I would like. I just like old films, as we kind of have gathered, probably. <laughs> and I haven't seen it, but Takeout it, it interests me. The uh, Chinese uh, the Chinese man, the immigrant falling behind on his uh, payments. That's one that I would want to see um, and would be interested in picking up. All right. Well, uh, I have Blowout on Blu-ray. I don't know if I'm interested enough into it to upgrade to 4K. It's not a particular favorite of mine. I mean, I like having it for the Criterion aspect, but to repurchase it at all again, uh, I'm not too sure about that. But I am going to go with Laurie. Uh, 2019 Sound of Metal, was one, that was one of my favorite films that year. Possibly what I thought should have won Best Picture, even though I knew it was not going to. I really enjoyed that film, uh, especially for the, the, the sound editing. I thought it was a really effectively uh, well-made film, and I really thought the acting in it from uh, Riz Ahmed was uh, uh, stellar. Uh, and I would like to hear and see more about the making of that film. So I, that is the criterion uh, that I picked up out of this group uh, back when it was in September of 2022. So yeah, I, uh, I, that was the one that I wanted. So 
All right, what about a film that we'd like to see placed on Criterion, Chris? You know, it's funny. When I was looking for films, one that I had had been wondering about was Akira, Akira Kurosawa's uh, Dreams. But apparently they released it, and I didn't know. Yeah, so I it's own, already on Criterion. I, yes, I own That's, that one. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, I, I need to pick it up. But I'm going to go, like, completely opposite of, of that film. Something that, um, because they've had kind of a few sports-related Sports figure related criterions released uh, not over the last year or two, and so I'm picking 1977's Pumping Iron. Oh, with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think that would be a very interesting Criterion uh, release to have. Milk is for babies. Real men drink beer. <laughs> Telling you no. that in that I think that would be a very entertaining disc, uh, especially because you've got Lou Ferrigno and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger still out there. <laughs> not necessarily doing anything of real importance that to have them come back and possibly record a commentary or at least sit down for an interview. No, I, that would be an interesting criterion and I own pumping iron. So I, I would be very interested in uh, some more, especially a retrospective of that nearly 45 years later. Mm -hmm. Did you guys watch the offer about the making of the Godfather? I have not yet. I plan to, but I just, it's so good. Lou Ferrigno's in it. A little bit. Oh, I got to get that. But it was nice to see him. Does he play Luca Brazzi? (laughs) No, but he's a gangster. (laughs) Leave the cannoli, take the steroids. All right, right, Laurie, what film would you like to see see get placed on Criterion? Okay, I'm just going to let you know the theme for me tonight is Unprepared. Okay. Because I didn't know. I'm not familiar with that film. Who's in it? So going with my theme of unprepared, I didn't have a film picked out. But the first thing that comes to mind is a recent one. When Nomad, when I first saw Nomadland, I did not particularly care for it. But I watched it again, and I liked it the second time and appreciated it much more. And um, I think that would make a great criterion because the backstory of that and and having some real-life people play themselves and... I just, I think that would, or a version of their character. I, I just, I think that would be a great, and looking at the filming of it and the people involved and stuff, I would like to see that. Now, I will not be surprised that that one ends up in Criterion because it seems to be right in Criterion's wheelhouse. I, however, right. will never, You didn't like it, did you? I hated it. I absolutely hated that film. I was so freaking bored through watching the entirety of that film. I would never go back and revisit it. Uh, and it's, and I, I will, I will rewatch a lot of things, but that one was just, that was a chore to work through and finding more. I, I think it's interesting that they use real life people who really live that lifestyle in the film as actors that's a mm-hmm. little interesting side note, but that's about all I need to hear. I don't necessarily want to spend time because I didn't find those characters any more interesting than uh, Francis McDormand's character either. It just was, it was a bizarre film. Not, not I my... did this time. Eh? I picked up on things that I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it this time and mm-hmm. really got so much more out of it. Yeah. I, I, I will tell you what, you know, I'm often told by other people, that's your problem. <laughs> uh, I, I would not, that would not be one that I would pick up, but 
a lot of people did love the film. Best one, best picture. So I mean, obviously there is there's an audience for it. It just did not speak to me. Um, my pick for uh, Criterion releases would actually be a set and it's a set of films that we've been reviewing periodically over the last couple of years. The Thin Man movies. I think it would be oh, to, keep yeah. it, to keep it with William Powell centric since we're reviewing a William Powell film. I think those films would be really interesting to talk about that because the more we, as we watch them and learn more about, I've learned more about the history of the Thin Man series and the actors and the characters uh, and the, the writers and creators of it. I think there would be some interesting side notes uh, for those films uh, and at least some uh, interesting history to that, that I'd love to see some film historians talk about the Thin Man series and the effect that it had on cinema. I would definitely buy that. I, I would too. I mean, I now own all the Thin Man movies because of the, of, of us watching that. But I, I that's a series I would like to see uh, put into a Criterion set. And they're doing more and more of those sets anymore. So hopefully maybe they'll swing by that. All right. Well, on to our review of My Man Godfrey. And we usually start by talking about the cover. Chris uh, and Lori is a last minute addition to the show. Um, this, we're actually recording this right after we recorded the golden age, which was released a few months ago. Um, she's coming on, she's taking the seat that she used to take, which was me trying to convince her to buy a criterion, which she has now become a fan of criterion and actually buys them. She did not have my man Godfrey and we reviewed the film. So she just jumped over here. So we're going to talk about it, see if she's going to be interested in uh, purchasing this at the end. Uh, Chris and I, I believe both have the Blu-ray. Is that correct? That is correct. Correct. That is correct. <laughs> so, uh, Blu-ray cover I have is a black and white cover, almost a little bit silverish, with an animated Gottfried, yeah. uh, very cartoonish, uh, with my man Gottfried in white at the top, uh, directed by Gregor Lacava on the right-hand side. Uh, on the back is just a solid gray cover with the dialogue. The interior of the, the box, there's nothing... Oh, actually, no, I take that back. There is... Uh, scavenger the, hunt. The the insert at the back of the front page has a, a, the list of the scavenger hunt, and then a picture of the monkey on the goat. Yeah, monkey on the goat on the right hand side. The disc itself has uh, a, basically a black and white image of the I, what I presume would be the Godfrey character, except it's basically kind of neck down uh, to waist. And then the insert book has more of that same animation with essentially all the characters in the film. So uh, that is the cover of the My Man Godfrey case. Chris, what is, you... is that? Uh, is that goat and monkey some sort of euphemism for the wife and her protege that did the monkey impersonation? Am, am I reading too much into it? I, I have no idea. I mean, it, it, it could be. Oh, just curious. So what do you think of the cover and the art that goes associated with it? I like it. It's it's old school style art. What one of the things that cracks me up about the uh, the little insert is that uh, on the when we reviewed this for Golden Age, we kind of talked a little bit of trash about William Powell's terrible beard, and <laughs> that beard seems to be featured prominently on a couple of these images, which does crack me up because we pretty much agreed that it was terrible looking in, in the film. Lori, I just sent you a picture of the cover. I don't know if you have it. I have it. All right. Lori, what do you think of the cover? I don't like it. Well, it, it's got that kind of art deco, but when you have William Powell and Carol Lombard, put them on the cover. 
Well, it's the dump in front of the bridge that they were at. I like the art, but I don't I don't like it for the cover. Oh. Okay. I, I actually like the cover. I, I, I think it's stylistic. Um, uh, it kind of conveys kind of the silliness of this film by being uh, a, a little bit of kind of cartoonish, if you will, because this is fairly cartoonish movie and cartoonish circumstances that the characters get in. Um, I really did like the, the art a lot. I'm kind of surprised Lori didn't. I want to see William Powell and Carol Lombard. <laughs> All right. Well, they're on the inside when you first open it up. Well, I don't have the inside. Oh, all right. <laughs> Chris, what about the conversion quality? How good is the picture and sound in your opinion? Oh, I thought it was great. I didn't notice any uh, in, any uh, inconsistencies or anything like that. The sound was good the whole time through. It was a very good conversion. This was just a 2K conversion. Oh, no, it was a 4K. Yep, 4K digital restoration. Uh, yeah, well... Shocker to me. Uh, it was it was beautiful. It, it looked great. Uh, almost like it was made today, minus the high def Godfrey beard. All right. Uh, the 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 picture was beautiful. I agree. It was beautiful. It was flawless, and I thought it was a really a really good restoration. I really appreciated it. The sound once again is a 1936 uh, soundtrack. I, there's not a lot of music in it that I can recall other than opening and closing credits. Maybe, maybe at one of the parties, there's some background music, but it's not, there's some not, piano. Yeah. There's not some, or there's not a lot of orchestration or anything. So it's, you know, it's just a dialogue film and sound effects. So I, I don't want to say that the sound was horrible. There just wasn't a lot to really pick up out of any kind of surround sound system because there just wasn't, it's not that kind of bombastic film, but the picture was great. I had no complaints about the picture. You know, sometimes in these older films that just the style is everybody kind of almost talks over one another to yeah. make it kind of seem realistic. And it can kind of, um, it doesn't really sound great to to my ears sometimes. And this one, I didn't have that issue at all with it. All right, Extras on the Disc, a video program called The LaCava Touch uh, from author Gary Giddens, who discusses the history of My Man Godfrey and its many special qualities, uh, from its excellent sense of humor to the marvelous performance of the stars. Uh, the program was produced in 2018 when the film, when the Criterion was released onto Blu-ray. It was not previously included on the DVD version that was released in the early 2000s. Uh, also has a Lux radio theater program, the radio adaptation for My Man Godfrey, uh, which features uh, William Powell and Carol Lombard uh, reprising their, oh, sorry, and Misha Auer and Gail Patrick all reprising their uh, roles from the film. Uh, it also includes David Niven playing uh, Godfrey's friend who helps him finance the club uh, in a very early performance, which is ironic because in the remake of My Man Godfrey in 1956, 1957, David Niven plays Godfrey. Um, this was uh, released previously on the DVD version uh, and was not recorded, uh, not recorded exclusively for Criterion. It's, it was actually recorded in 1938. Outtakes. Very unusual to see a film of this age with actual outtakes. And this is where yeah. Chris references the potty mouth of Carol Lombard. Oh, my God. She cussed a lot. <laughs> scenes. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's about two minutes long. Not a, a ton of outtakes, but you just don't usually see them uh, from a film from that age. Uh, a, a video program 
for called Effler's Effortless Art uh, by critic Nick Pinkerton, discussing Gregory LaCava's professional career in cinematic style, primarily about LaCava, not necessarily about My Man Godfrey. This was also uh, produced exclusively for the Criterion in 2018 when the film was converted to Blu-ray. News reels from the 1930s that reflect the themes in the film, most notably poverty and homelessness. Not about the film at all, just about poverty and homelessness in the United States. <laughs> yeah. Um, the original unrestored trailer for My Man Godfrey, and then, of course, the booklet, uh, which features a leaflet and an essay by critic Farron Smith Nime and the technical credits for the film. So, Lori obviously has no input on the extras. Chris, what do you think, what extras do you believe are missing here? And I think there's an obvious one that's missing. Well, well, there's two that I always complain about when we go to these older films, usually the the director himself or herself. So I would have liked to have seen LaCava. And of course, if we could have had something from William Powell, I would have loved that. Anything just to hear him talk, maybe even one with him and his ex-wife, Carol Lombard. I would have, I would have liked to see. All right. Laurie, what is the big thing that's missing here? I don't disagree with Chris. I think something from William Powell would have been great and something from LaCava would have been great. But what is an absolute necessity when you get a Criterion disc that's not here? Well, I'm really excited to watch that now. Can I borrow it? No, you abs- absolutely. It. But there's something that's almost yeah. from every single Criterion completely absent here. The commentary? Correct. No commentary. Yeah. Nothing. No commentary whatsoever. That is, to me, is the basic skeleton. By somebody, anybody. It's, well, yeah, but <laughs> you obviously interviewed film historians who talked about LaCava and uh, another film historian who talked about the history of my man Godfrey. This was not an extraordinarily long film, and, and his little comment, his little interview video program was twenty minutes. Flush that out and have them talk about the film in a little bit more detail and have a commentary. I expect a commentary in a Criterion disc as a basic feature you know and the fact that that was it missing was really disappointing to me i was really extraordinarily disappointed that that was not there was there i can't remember if you said something about the source material was there something about that nothing about the book nothing about i like when they talk about the source if there's a source yeah i like when they talk about that all right, quality and quantity of the extras that we do have, Chris. Were the the extras we have of high quality, and do you think there's sufficient quantity to make the Criterion uh, worth purchasing? Well, it was hit and miss, to be honest. I, I would have liked to have seen what I mentioned and what you mentioned added for the extras. I enjoyed the La Cava Touch, the the Lux Radio program. I'm a sucker for an old radio broadcast. Um, some of them were not, I didn't care for the, uh, effortless art or the newsreels. I mean, the newsreels were important for those who may not know, you know, just how down on luck these Hoovervilles were, but, um, so they were hit or miss and I could have watched a full hour of Carol Lombard just cursing, <laughs> to be honest with you. I love that. That was the best of them. Right. To be honest, I, yeah, the, I I think the quantity is pretty lacking. This is a fairly short Criterion disc to get through. The Lux Radio Theater is the longest of it. It goes an hour, um, but even then, it's an abbreviated version of the film you just watched. 
Uh, it does not give you anything that you didn't get from watching the film. In fact, it gives you less. I too, like Chris, like radio theaters. I like listen to old time radio shows. Uh, and the fact that they had the main actors in this was pretty good. But it's, it's still, it's a Criterion disc. It's a visual median and I got radio. Uh, so that's, if that's your best extra, it's a, a little lacking. The newsreels is pointless. I mean, it shows, oh, there's, there was poverty and homelessness, which is great for a historical perspective, but it gives me no information on essentially the film. Uh, the effortless art is more about LaCava's career. Uh, it wasn't so much about the film. It was interesting to hear about kind of how, what he did in his career. But at the end of the day, it's like, I, I didn't find the rest of his career nearly as significant as this particular film. The trailer, once again, is a, what I considered a basic uh, bare bones minimum on it. So I think the, and the trailer, the radio show, the newsreels and the outtakes are all of low, low quality. I mean, they're all either not video or poor video. Uh, the only thing new that was created was the LaCava touch and the effortless art. And yeah, so yeah, quality and quantity, I think were both lacking on this particular film. Um, what can I just say what I did one, something we didn't mention was on that radio program. Cecil B. DeMille was the narrator. Oh, that's true. That's right. He was, and, the, uh, he, I enjoyed hearing him and he was very self-deprecating. I forget his quote now about how he was wrong, but it made me laugh out loud. Um, was that for Carol Lombard? Yes. Where he, were, um, I forget how he worded it, but Cecil B. DeMille, it was great to hear him on that radio program. Oh, I want to see that really bad. <laughs> was he ready for his close up? No. It yeah. was a, he, it, he was was an, it was a radio. <laughs> <laughs> I just took, he was ready for his voiceover. All right. <laughs> our fit, our favorite extra from the criterion, Chris, what of all these things, what was your favorite? Uh, I've already said the outtakes. I really liked it. There's just something uh, very natural about Carol Lombard, just talking and saying words that she should not be saying in the 1930s. <laughs> that I enjoyed her there more than in the film. They said them. They just didn't say them in public. And they certainly didn't oh, yeah. usually on keep camera. Them. Yeah. They usually didn't keep them. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Uh, I will agree with you. It is so unusual to see that. It was like this, like I found a, 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 a hidden treasure vault. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, like bloopers. You don't see bloopers from 1930s films very often. I cannot recall another film where I've ever seen something that age. And certainly not seeing uh, someone as esteemed as Carol Humbard cussing like a sailor <laughs> the entirety of it. So, uh, yeah, that was my favorite. I laughed out loud watching that. Probably laughed harder watching that than I did the film. And I did enjoy the film. But that was my favorite extras of the ones we had. All right, Chris, uh, ultimate point of time. Is the film worthy of our criterion? And do you recommend picking it up? This is our recommendation to Lori here. What what say you? Well, look, the, the extras are a little weak. So if you buy this disc, don't do it for the extras, to be honest. But this is an awesome film. It's one of my favorite old movies. The conversion is outstanding. And those two reasons alone, I think this is a pickup. Uh, you probably won't need to, you probably won't be watching these extras very often, but everything else is great. All right. Uh, I will agree with you. This film is an outstanding film worthy of a, uh, being a criteria, getting a criterion upgrade. 
And I am severely disappointed in the the extras on it that it's, I expect much more from Criterion, even in this day and age. It's no surprise to me that they went back and added things from the DVD release in 2018 when they con- up converted it to Blu-ray and f- started flushing it out. Otherwise, I would say it was it's not really worth it. But I agree with Chris, the the 4K digital restoration uh, and upgrade is worth is worth it just for that. I don't know if it's worth going and buying this for 40 bucks, but if you got it at a, a half off sale at Barnes and Noble, yeah, buy it on sale for 20 bucks, it's definitely worth it. The the extras are there. They are entertaining. They just they're just they're not so much about the film or they're just very repetitive of the film. The two Lakava documentaries are very repetitive. You know, they're talking about a lot of the same things. So I was a little bit disappointed. But as I said, the outtakes were really entertaining. Um, unfortunately, there's only two minutes of them, but they're, they're there. It's So it is interesting. But I still would recommend picking it up. Now, hearing everything we've had to say, Lori, including me pissing and moaning all about what's not on this, would you still be interested in picking up this criteria? I would, and I don't own this film, so I would like to purchase this for the film and for the outtakes and the radio theater. Lori, Barnes & Noble semi-annual sales just about to begin here in just a few days, so make sure you get your checkbook ready and go pick up this film. I'll get out my card. So, Or, yeah, that too. (laughs) All right. Well, that does it for this month's review of My Man Godfrey. Thanks again for listening to our little monthly podcast. If you've had a good time, the fun doesn't have to stop here. You can follow us on Pinterest or Twitter at MH Memories. On either one of those social media outlets, you can keep yourself informed about our occasional written film reviews and film summaries, news on upcoming theatrical releases and trailers, and information on many upcoming podcasts on the MHN Podcast Network. And don't forget to subscribe to our account on YouTube where we were releasing everything exclusively, but now we're putting things back on streaming services. Uh, Once on YouTube, you can give us a like or dislike uh, as to our podcast. You can leave a comment about the film that we're reviewing or opinions about said film, or even make a recommendation or a request for a film you'd like us to review here on Criterion Critics. Of course, we always like the reviews are positive, but we appreciate any feedback that we can get from any listeners of the show. Well, that does it for this episode of Criterion Critics. Join us next time when we review 1936's Swing Time, number 979 on the Criterion release schedule. Until then, I'm Patrick. I'm Chris. And I'm Lori. And we'll see you all next time at our house. podcast is not endorsed by the Criterion Collection and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The theme music for Criterion Critics, Miami Nights' main theme, is provided courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incomputech.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. 
All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the MHN Podcast Network, Criterion Critics, and the Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment, LLC, unless otherwise noted.